The reading is from Matthew chapter 26, beginning at verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? he asked Peter. Watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This is the word of the Lord. Let's uh, pray together before we start. Lord Jesus, we thank you that, uh, Lord, you are faithful through suffering for us, even though we are faithless. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that it's not out of our strength that you work, but out of our weakness. Uh, So, Lord, I thank you for uh, those amongst us, Lord, who are faithful through suffering in your power, And Lord, who encourage us through their neediness and dependence on you uh, to do just that. Uh, Lord, I need your help now. So I pray, Lord, that you would help me as I speak uh, words from your word. Amen. Amen. So uh, the question, uh, well, listen, hang on, what are we doing? We're seeing, first of all, uh, Jesus is faithful through suffering. That's what we've been thinking about uh, last week. Uh, we saw how God is faithful through suffering. He's the massive God that hangs on to us when we're sad, living in a broken world. Uh, This time we're thinking about how Jesus is faithful through suffering for the faithless. What I want is for you not to be afraid, that's my prayer, Uh, not to be afraid that there's, I want you to know there's nothing you can do when you're suffering that will stop Jesus loving you. And there's nothing that anyone else can do that you see who is suffering There's nothing they can do that can stop Jesus loving them. So why do you want to listen to this passage here? It's the word of God, but also it gives you the confidence that no matter what you've thought or said or done in suffering, none of those stops God fighting for you. None of those stop God fighting for you. Because that is the danger, isn't it? There's a question for you. 
What uh, kind of things do people do that make us not like them? What kind of things do people do that make us not like them? Particularly in a stressful situation. Anyone got one at home? <clears throat> have, a, have a chat with the person next to you, you get two minutes. What sort of things do people, you get a minute actually. What sort of things do people do that stop you from liking them? Go on, have a chat with the person next to you. It's probably somebody who's done something this morning. You know, they bang their coffee cup, they chew with their mouth open. What have you got? So it's not really, oh. So it's not really surprising that you've got plenty to talk about. So on the radio, on the radio, quite regularly on the radio, you will hear a whole segment devoted to things that annoy you. And it's always people get on there and there's things that they hate that people do around them, like eating with their mouth open in the office or whatever it is. I'm not going to ask you what your thing is, but we know how the world works, don't we? The way the world works is you've got to be, uh, <clears throat> you've got to be liked to be loved. If you are lovely, people love you. The problem is, is that lots of people don't think I'm lovely. Uh, maybe you might be thinking here, I don't know, I'm not very sporty. Uh, my hair is the wrong type. My jokes fall flat. I'm good at maths, which for some reason makes other people dislike me. <laughs> my body is the wrong shape. I don't seem to have anything that impresses the older kids or the boss. Uh, and even if people do like me a bit, it takes so much effort to keep being liked, it doesn't last long before they give up, or I do. The other problem is, is that sometimes I genuinely am just not that lovely. How about you? Sometimes you say nasty things. I get so angry about stuff. Or uh, the thing is it gets worse, doesn't it, when we're suffering or when we're hungry. You know, we haven't had that word, don't we? Hangry. We stick the two words together, hungry and angry. Does anyone know that? Yeah? Uh, and when I'm suffering hunger, I get angry more. Uh, I'm not lovable at all. Uh, as an example, I remember being bullied by a bloke called Dennis, and it made me so rude to everyone because I was so upset that I ended up on my own. Uh, once I was so angry about a broken relationship when I was 17, I put my foot through a concrete slab and screamed and shouted in the face of someone who was trying to help me. We are not that lovely anyway, but when we're suffering, we're often even less lovely, and it makes it pretty unlikely that people will love us. It makes me want to hide my suffering by hiding away from people, putting my head down into my digital bubble where I can control how likeable I am until I'm not and get cancelled or disliked. Who wants to love me, especially when I'm suffering? Who wants to love you, especially when you're suffering and we're not so lovable? If you are lovely, people love you. Is it the same with God? When I'm suffering and I do something awful, will God be faithful through that? So that's why we want to listen here, because we see in this passage that Jesus is faithful through suffering so that he could love unlovely you in your suffering and me too. And that's someone to trust in suffering, isn't it?
What's God got to say here? Well, first of all, we see that Jesus is faithful through suffering for the faithless in Matthew 26. Can you see that first of all, we see in this passage that Jesus's soul is overwhelmed to the point with sorrow to the point of death. We get that in verse 26, uh, um, in chapter 26, verse 38. Read with me there. He says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. It's repeated in 39. My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. And in 42, he's so distressed. Please take this cup away from me. I'm overwhelmed by it. I'm not sure I can do it. And 44, he prayed the third time saying the same thing. Jesus' soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. In verses 36 and 38, it says he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Uh, and that means grief and distress. Uh, in, the, in the message version, he's plunged into agonised sorrow. Or in the English ESV, sorrowful and heavy is how he's described. It's so bad that the Son of God, who has quite a high tolerance for anguish, he cries out that his innermost being is failing because of his sorrow. The crushing darkness of sorrow presses in on all sides as though the night pierces his bones and cold grief is numbing his heart. People have different tolerances for pain, don't they? A toddler with a bee sting is the end of the world. You know, a man, it's a mild inconvenience, maybe. If you're a woman, you've got massive pain tolerance, way, way above that, haven't you? If you're a superhero, you've got to try very hard to get an ouch out of a superhero, haven't you? But what about the Son of God? What kind of sorrow and anguish would bring him to his knees? The verse 29 is so great, is this horrifying sorrow, it causes even the Son of God's knees to buckle and for him to fall on his face. Jesus knows what is coming, his death on the cross. He's all alone. You know, there's that film, isn't there, about Jesus going to the cross, the Passion of Christ. Uh, I still haven't watched that because the shame and the violence and the hatred and the physical agony are actually too much for me. I can't, I can't actually, I can't look at it. My will is overcome simply by a bunch of actors and pictures. No wonder that Jesus's soul is overcome by sorrows. He looks at the reality of the cross squarely on and prepares to be put on that cross. It's really rubbed in in verses 39, isn't it? Where, please take this from me. I don't want to do it. And 42 and 44, it's repeated. He's begging for God to take this death away from him. He's pleading. But, but also, at the same time, did you notice, each time he's doing what God is asking of him. In verse 39, how does he finish? Yet not as I will, but as you will. Verse 42, um, yet I, may your will be done at the end of verse 42 and the same thing at the end of verse 44. Jesus' soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, but he is faithful to the will of God the Father. We know he is because in the next chapter he's crucified. Jesus is faithful through suffering, isn't he? Now what do you think the worst part of that suffering is for Jesus as he goes to the cross? You know, I thank the Lord that I will never know the suffering like this. 
Thank you, Lord, that Jesus can talk to me about suffering because he knows what it's like. He's an expert on experiencing suffering because the worst, I mean, it's just awful going to the cross just physically. But actually, what he's going through is taking that wrath of God for us at the same time. There's a physical and a spiritual element. Now, what what we're supposed to do with this passage is it's set up to provide a contrast for us. We're supposed to compare. So do you see how it's interweaved with what the disciples are doing? Do you see that? There's sort of three stages. Well, let's have a look at the disciples. The disciples are overwhelmed by sleep. In verses 40 and 43 and 45. Do you see that? Then verse 40, he returned to the disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? And then verse 43, is it the next one? When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. And verse 45, then he returned to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? They are faithless to the will of Jesus, aren't they? And the contrast here between Jesus and the disciples is their faithlessness and Jesus' faithfulness through suffering. Jesus needs to obey the will of the Father to die on the cross. The disciples need to obey the will of Jesus just to stay awake and keep watch. And they can't even do that. The problem is they are tired. Their flesh and their body needs to rest. They need sleep. It's maybe the mildest suffering you can think of, isn't it? And yet they can't obey him. They disobey him. They abandon him. They let him down personally and in the time of Jesus' greatest need. And so it's no surprise to Jesus when you and I let him down, when we're suffering. He's seen it here, hasn't he? When life hurts, how might you and I want to disobey God? I don't know what you've got. When life hurts, how might you want to disobey God? I don't know what it is, self-medicating with too much drink or substance or pornography, or maybe it's that we've got an excuse to be cross with other people and be rude to them. Maybe we justify the, the I don't know, the, the bad purchase or something because, well, we need it. Jesus knows that we are weak and we can't endure much. And so when we get that stuff wrong, he knows we are not good at doing what he says when we hurt and that we get it wrong, especially when we're tired or hurting. And does that mean he abandons us like the world abandons us, like we abandon him? Is it that unlovely are unloved by Jesus? And the answer is no, isn't it? Because here Jesus drinks their cup of suffering. The cup of God's wrath that he's being asked to remove. Do you see that? He says, um, where is it? In verse 39, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. It's a weird thing, isn't it? But he's referring to something in Jeremiah, which is the cup of God's wrath. Here's Jeremiah 25, verse 13. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, said to me. Take from my hand this cup filled with the wine of my wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. That cup is filled with all the judgment that all the sin in the world deserves. Our sin, each one of our sin, the sin out there in the world, it's a cup filled with all the judgment our disobedience of God deserves. It's horrific. That's why that illustration is such a great illustration, isn't it? Because you get to see it for one person, but imagine it for all people for all time. How big and how awful would that be? And yet what Jesus is doing when he dies on the cross is he is drinking that cup for you and for I and for whoever will put their trust in him. 
whether it's impatience and anger, murderous thoughts, the porn, the drink, the substance abuse, the, the lack of love, he is drinking all that down for us. See, the disciples are hopeless, aren't they? They can't do what God says when they're sleepy, and they're definitely not going to be able to do what God says when real suffering comes. But Jesus drinks down the punishment that they deserve anyway, doesn't he? When he goes to the cross, he's dying for them and the mistakes they made in this passage. Why does he do that? Because of his great love for them and his obedience to God the Father, his faithfulness. Jesus was faithful through suffering, so the faithless disciples could be his to love when they are hurting. Jesus is faithful through suffering even for those who aren't faithful to him back. What does that mean? Don't be afraid. Faithless one, you are forgiven. When life hurts and it's hard to do what God says, we say, it hurts, Jesus, I don't want to pray. I don't want to read your word. I hate you. I want to be angry at people. I want to make other people hurt too. What does Jesus do when we are unlovely like that? He loves us. He drinks the punishment we deserve. He has made us his so he can love us through that suffering. So he can love us when suffering makes us unlovely. He sticks with us even when we don't stick with him. Here's a bit from Romans chapter 3. What if some are unfaithful? Will their unfaithfulness nullify God's faithfulness? Not at all. Here's 2 Timothy 2. If we are faithless, he remains faithless, for he cannot disown himself. And so we're in a situation where we... Oh, someone's got ahead of me there where we are uh, like this. Here, here is, uh, here is your, your Jesus who's beckoning. Let's put a little J on a, I don't know. Oh, I'm not, I haven't really thought that through. There's Jesus there. When it's hurting, we are absolutely pegging it the other direction, aren't we? Um, yeah, that's not that great. Let's point that way. Okay, we're doing that, aren't we? And we are, it's sad, we are going this way only. Jesus looking after us. We think we can get away, but we can't because we are connected by the Holy Spirit of God like a bungee jump. A bungee jump like a bungee rope. You can't get away from Jesus. No matter what you do, no matter how faithless you are in your suffering, no matter how far you run, Jesus has got you. This, I love this picture here. I love this cat is not enjoying being hugged. <coughs> But the cat cannot get away because the owner just wants to bury your face right in there, doesn't it? Yeah? That's what God's like. We might be hissing and scratching. We might be trying to get away from Jesus. He's like, no. Gotcha. When I was 19, I was going to be a big rower. I might even have won some medals at some point. But my body got broken and my back hurt a lot, so I couldn't row. I was devastated. I was sad. I was angry. I was lonely without my crewmates. I was missing out. Sometimes I was depressed. Life hurt. I hung around my parents' house for months on end sulking while they took me to doctors and paid for operations to try and make it right. I remember being so cross and angry one day, I shouted in my mum's face and just slammed the door in her face. It was unlovely and it was ungrateful. But mum just gave me a hug and said, nothing you can do can stop me from loving you. Can't stop me from being your mum. That's what Jesus is like. We know that because we see him being faithful through suffering in this passage 
for people who are faithless like you and I, no matter how unlovely you or I are in suffering. I've just lost my page there, so let me give me a second. So what does that mean? Look, how great is love of Jesus? Watch out for sin when you are in suffering. When life hurts and we struggle even more to obey God, that's bad for us. Sin is never good and we can make bad decisions and we make things much, much worse for ourselves. Don't run away from God, but run to him. Try to be faithful in suffering like Jesus. And so to do that, we can pray for help not to sin. We can't do it in our own power. Our will is weak. Look at the disciples, especially when life hurts. But because Jesus has made us, his Holy Spirit lives in us. And so we can pray and ask for help. And also the reason he gathers us on a Sunday is so that we can help one another. And so it's right that we have someone that sits at the front for prayer when we need help, when we're suffering. Jesus loves to answer prayer and help us because he loves us. But also when suffering comes, we want to suffer together. Disciples here, they should have watched out for each other, shouldn't they? It's difficult to be faithful to people who are suffering when they lash out, like me with my mum. Uh, But we want to be like Jesus, who doesn't actually mind, but is faithful through suffering instead. So don't run away from those who are suffering. Even though they make you want to run away, they make you want to cry, just be there, pointing them to Jesus gently helping them to make good decisions. Don't be surprised when they make bad ones. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ, even when suffering makes them unlovable. And that's what's great about Christians Against Poverty. Can you hear Ian and the team as they just faithfully go back to people who are just lashing out at them? That is showing something of Jesus' faithfulness, isn't it? You can be a part of that. But also remember, there's nothing you can do to stop Jesus loving you in your suffering. When suffering comes, you will get it wrong. You'll disobey God, you'll be ashamed, you'll feel guilty, you'll feel like suffering on suffering. But remember, Jesus was faithful through suffering for his faithful disciples, and like you and me, he drank my cup of wrath so I could be his. He wanted to love me that badly, and so nothing that you can do can be worse than that. If drinking my cup of wrath didn't put him off, nothing I can do today will. So we can say, sorry, Jesus, thank you. You are still there loving this unlovely me when it hurts. You know, I want answers about why things happen, don't we? We don't always get those answers. But most of all, I want to know the person who is with me is going to be faithful and is going to be with me forever. And that means they will take care of me. Jesus is like that, isn't he? We serve the only God with scars He knows what suffering is like and Jesus got those scars because he loved you and I so much. What person could there be better to trust with our suffering than someone who knows what it is to suffer and loves me so much that they were faithful through that suffering for me? He chose to be faithful through suffering for faithless me so that he could take care of me even when I don't care about him. What a brilliant God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you were faithful to your Father's commands and you drank that cup of wrath that I deserve, that we deserve. And Lord, that you had that written down for us so that we might see so clearly 
how you were faithful through suffering. There is no greater suffering that you can experience than what you've already done, that we can inflict on you in our pain than you've already taken. And so we know you'll be with us, even when we are unlovely. And we bless you and we praise you and pray, Lord, that you'd help us to encourage one another with that. Amen. We're going to listen to a song now, just to meditate. Um, it's not in our usual tradition. Uh, it's a nice song, though. Your words should come up here. If you're at home or in hospital and watching online, I'm sorry you won't be able to hear the song, but there should be a link in the description that you can click on so that you can listen to the song as well. It talks happily about how we want to trust Jesus, both in the, in the valleys of life, when we're in the pit, but also when we're on top of the mountains. So why not just have a think and reflect on this God who is faithful with us, whether we're in highs or whether we're in lows. That should come up on here.
Lord Jesus, we praise you that we are never alone. Uh, so we pray that whatever our suffering, we'd remember that our future is secure and your presence is assured. And help us to say, yet not as I will, but as you will. Amen.